And this morning, God's Word comes to us once again from Luke chapter 2. We are going to pick up our reading at verse 21 and then read through verse 40 of this chapter. Luke 2, beginning at verse 21, what we hear now is God's Word. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, for the past several weeks, we have been using the first two chapters of Luke for our Advent and Christmas celebration. We're going to conclude that this morning 
by looking at one more text in Luke chapter 2. We saw how Luke 1 helped us to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Luke 2 giving us that reason to celebrate on Christmas morning. And now, this morning, we hear just a bit more of the story of Jesus' early life. We don't know a lot about Jesus' early life. We know the story of his birth and the shepherds coming to see him. We know the story of the Magi who will come to visit him when he's about two years old or so. We know the story of the boy Jesus in the temple at 12 years old talking with the teachers. And the next thing we read about him is when he's about 30 years old and is baptized and begins his public ministry. We don't know much about the early life of Jesus. But we do have these two stories in Luke chapter 2. That first story, verse 21, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. At eight days, Jesus is circumcised according to the law. He was born under the law. And he is given the name Jesus, a name given to him by the angel. And then we have this second story, and this is the one we're going to focus on this morning, that begins at verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Although it's perhaps not clear as we read through our, our English text, there is a break in time between verse 21 and 22. Verse 21 happens eight days after Jesus was born, at his circumcision. Verse 22 is at the time of their purification. That was 40 days after Jesus was born, according to the law of Moses. That law given back in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 12, and when the days of her purification are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. That's what's going on in verse 22 and following. They are once again fulfilling the law. Jesus born of a woman, born under law, and fulfilling the law. And it's in this second story that we have... Jesus and his encounter uh, with two people, an encounter with someone named Simeon and someone named Anna. Children, Simeon and Anna were really still waiting for Christmas. They were still waiting for uh, this promised son to be born. They didn't know about it yet. We have those who are still looking for the coming 
of the Messiah. And when they see him, they too will enter into the celebration. The celebration continues with Simeon and Anna. We're going to look at those two this morning. Two people who had some things in common. They were both devoted to God. Simeon, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Someone who was righteous, someone who was devout, someone whose desire it was uh, to walk in the ways of God. We have the description of Anna, verse 37. Anna, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, devoted to God, fasting and prayer continually, both of them desiring that close relationship with God. They had some things in common, and yet they were different. They had different positions. We read about Anna in verse 36. Now there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was a prophetess, one set apart for a particular task, declaring the word of God. We don't read that about Simeon. We read in verse 25. Now there was a man, a man in Jerusalem. Doesn't say he was a prophet, doesn't say he was a priest, simply a man. We'd say a layman, one whom we don't know much about. We read about Anna as one who is advanced in years. Anna is 84 years old, so someone who is a little older. Simeon, we don't know how old he was. The text doesn't tell us. Now, in my mind, in my mind, I picture Simeon as an old man. But that is more directed from art that I have seen about this particular event than what the text gives us. Doesn't tell us if Simeon was old, doesn't tell us he was young, doesn't tell us his age. He's simply a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. They were similar, they were different, and yet they both had a common goal, a common desire. We read in verse 25, Simeon, a man righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the coming of the Messiah, waiting for God to fulfill the word he had promised the prophet. There's a sense of expectation, a desire. Their goal was to see God fulfill his promise, to see God fulfill his word, to see that consolation of Israel come to Israel. We have Anna. We read about her in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She too, waiting for their redemption. And when she sees this child, speaks to others. He's finally here. They were waiting, they were waiting, they were waiting. That was their commonality. That was their goal, to see the fulfillment of God's work of redemption in the sending of the consolation, the sending of his son. And in this story, as we have seen before, we have Simeon, 
bringing a song of praise to God. We have in this series looked at a number of songs of praise to God. The song of Mary, the Magnificat, the song of Zechariah, the Benedictus, and this, the song of Simeon, referred to often as the Nunc Dimittis. Again, from the first couple words in Latin, now dismiss, O God, Nunc Dimittis, now dismiss, O God, your servant. We have praise and blessing. First of all, blessing for Simeon himself. He says this, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all the people. Simeon says, now I see it. And he praises God and he blesses God. Now I see the fulfillment. I see the child. I see the Redeemer. God had told him he would not die until he had seen the consolation of Israel. And now that's exactly what happens. And having seen this child, having seen God's word fulfilled, he says, now, Lord, now I can depart. Now I'm content. Now I can go to be with you. All that Simeon wanted for, child, for, for Christmas children was to see Jesus. That's all Simeon wanted. That he could see the fulfillment of God's word. Jesus was enough for him. And having seen the child, held the child, he says, Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace, for I have seen the salvation that you have sent. Jesus was enough for Simeon's Christmas present. I sometimes wonder, what about us? We have been profoundly blessed by God in many ways, but, but if Christmas came without the presence, if Christmas came without the big meals and the wonderful sweet snacks, if Christmas came without time spent with family and friends, if Christmas came for us and all we knew was Jesus Christ a sinner's Savior, would that be enough? Would we be content? All the other things God gives us are just extra blessings He has provided. They're good things. They're wonderful things. Would we be satisfied simply with the knowledge Jesus Christ came to earth a sinner's Savior? Perhaps we need to, at this time of year, reevaluate our priorities. What is really important to us? What do we really care about? What do we value? For Simeon, it was the knowledge of salvation. And having now seen that Savior, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all people, he says, now I can depart. Now he knows that there will be peace with God, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace between a holy, righteous God and a fallen mankind. He has seen the consolation of Israel. And he is satisfied. And he goes on in this song to say this. My eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people 
Israel. And his father and his mother marveled as what, at what was said about him. I'm, I'm always struck by that. Think about the context. Mary and Joseph had both been visited by angels. Mary and Joseph had seen the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. And yet when Simeon talks to them, this regular man, this ordinary man, now they marvel. Wow! What about this? What was it that made them marvel at the words of Simeon? It was those words in verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. At this they marveled. We have looked at the songs of Christmas. None of them make reference to the Gentiles. Mary's song, back in chapter 1, verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on generations will call me blessed, for he is mighty and has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. Mary's song was a song of praise about what God was doing for Israel. We see that in Zechariah's song, verse 68, even more clearly. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. A song of praise for Israel. And now Simeon speaks. My eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. For the first time now explicitly in the New Testament, a reference that the gospel, that salvation, that Jesus Christ did not only come for the Jews, he came for the Gentiles as well. And it is that glorious news, it is that wonderful news that lets us celebrate this time of year. Jesus Christ did not come as a Jewish Savior. He came not only for the sons of Abraham physically, but for all those who embrace the faith of Abraham. The one in whom he would place his faith, that one promised by God. Jesus Christ came for us as well. We should still marvel at that as they marvel. 
Not a part of the covenant line. Not within the promises of God into the national Israel. But now we are included. We are brought in. What a glorious song of praise. A song that we still celebrate today. The goodness of the gospel. We declare the gospel not that if you belong to a particular ethnic people, you can be saved. But for everyone. For everyone here this morning who embraces Jesus Christ, not a Jewish Savior, but a sinner's Savior. For everyone who embraces Him, the promises of God are true. They are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We, our eyes, have seen the salvation which has been prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. What a glorious song of praise. And yet, as this encounter ends, the tone changes just a bit. We read in verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This one is appointed for the fall and for the rising of many. Jesus Christ is the center of all of history. We talked about that on Christmas morning. Jesus Christ is the center, the focus of the work of salvation. Everything revolves around him. And for those who embrace him, for those who humble themselves before him, he is for their rising. For those who are too proud, for those who refuse to confess, for those who don't need this Savior, He will be for their falling. He is a sign which is opposed. That's why the most fundamental question we face in all of life, the most fundamental question, who is Jesus? He is one for falling, and rising. He is one to be opposed, but who is he? Is he the Son of God, the fulfillment of prophecy, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who has come to give us salvation? Or is he simply a great teacher, a philosopher, a prophet? Jesus Christ is the, the great dividing line in all of history and in all of society. Sometimes um, um, unbelievers ask someone in ignorance about the churches, why can't you all just get along? Why are there so many different churches out there? After all, you basically believe the same thing. You believe there's a God. You believe you should be good. You believe you should have a moral life. You all believe the same thing. Why can't you all just get along and have one big church? And we have to be honest and confess that in the history of the church there have been divisions that were not godly. But, but we don't all believe the same thing. It is not enough to simply believe in some vague God, some abstract God. We must believe in the God of the Bible. The one who reveals himself and the one who sent his son Jesus Christ. That would be the great dividing line. The reason churches don't all get along is because we do not believe the same things. We believe that salvation comes 
only, only, only in the name of Jesus Christ, not through anything we have done, but completely by God's grace and God's mercy. Jesus Christ would be the great dividing line, the one who who would cause the, the fall and the rising of many. Why why are we here today? Are we here out of devotion? A love because we have been raised from the darkness? Or are we here simply out of tradition? It's Sunday, it's the Christmas season, this is what we do. Jesus Christ, that great dividing line. Do we come to worship? Are we a believer in the promise of God as as Simeon was looking for that promise fulfilled? Or are we simply going through the motions? Jesus, the great dividing line. And then then Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. For those who are close to Jesus, like his mother, they would be affected by the way he would be treated. Those close to Jesus would feel the pain that he felt. They, they, because of their connection with him, when he was maligned, they would feel maligned. They would hurt as he was being hurt. Have you ever become uncomfortable because of your relationship with Jesus? Has the conversation at work made you feel a little out of place because of of the way God's name was used? Have you become uncomfortable in social situations when certain topics come up and, and, and we, we are hesitant to speak up, even in our own family time, becoming uncomfortable when, when Jesus Christ and his name is raised? For those who are near him, for those who are close to him, we hurt when he is hurt, when his name is maligned. Do we we recognize that or do we simply try to hide that? The insults on him don't affect us because we just don't care that much about honoring God, about honoring his name. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. For those who who are united to Christ, when his name is maligned, when his gospel is 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 muddied, we hurt. We hurt and want to declare the truth, the truth of what we know. That truth that Simeon knew, my eyes have seen your salvation. It's a beautiful part of the story of Christmas, a story we don't look at very often. Two people, children, Simeon and Anna, who hadn't received their Christmas gift yet, but now God provides it for them. Two people devoted, looking, waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled, and God fulfills that so beautifully, and they are able to see with their own eyes the consolation, the salvation of Israel, and for the Gentiles, and for us. Through this beautiful text, through this wonderful story, we too can continue the celebration, because we have been brought in. Those who were outside, those who were not of the law, not of the covenants, brought in. 
because Jesus Christ is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of the people of Israel. Oh, may God help us to continue to, to worship and to praise and to adore this Christ the Lord and to recognize that God calls us to follow after him because he has done everything necessary to do the work of salvation. Only in Christ do we have our hope. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for all the revelation of Jesus Christ in Scripture. We thank you for this particular text, which helps us to continue celebrating his birth. Thank you, O God, that our eyes have seen your salvation just like Simeon, and that we too know that that revelation was not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile. May we truly rejoice, O God, in what you have done, sending your Son May we celebrate him today. May we celebrate him throughout this week and throughout our lives, rejoicing and adoring the Son of God. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number 313 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 313. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. All creation, join in praising God the Father, Spirit, Son, evermore your voices raising to the eternal three in one. We're going to sing all five verses, number 313. Let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.